This interview is brought to you by Joe Azer. That's right. You need to buy or sell a home in the Northern Virginia area. Joe Azer is your man. He's got so many contacts. He's got what? What does he have? He's got the contractors. He's got the photographers. He's got the furniture. Fucking staging, goddamn. I probably shouldn't be cursing this much during a live read, should I? Anyway, he's got it all. He's your one-stop shop. Let's be honest. Buying and selling a home is a big pain in the ass. He takes all of those concerns away. He does all the heavy lifting for you. You basically just show up, sign the papers, and either stack a big pile of cash if you're selling your home or move into your gorgeous house. Short sales, you got bad credit. Just pick out the neighborhood you want. Joe will work tirelessly to make it happen. 571-989-Azer is the phone number. 571 29 37. Joe Azer is the only name you need to know if you're buying or selling a home in Northern Virginia. Go ahead and text him and ask him why Joe Jacoby is in the Hall of Fame yet. If you want to become a Chad Duke Show Facebook subscriber, it's very, very easy. Head to the Chad Duke Show on Facebook, hit the subscriber hub button, and follow the steps to gain access to the secret supporter group chat and get the bonus show video backlogs. Friendos, we're giving away a brand new copy of Channing Wilson's album, Dead Man, on vinyl, courtesy of Commonwealth Dry Goods. All you have to do to enter to win, tweet the gentleman, at Channing Wilson. Let him know you enjoyed the interview. Make sure you tag us in it as well, at Chad Duke, so we know that you're entered. We'll pick a nice one at random, and uh, we'll ship you the album free of charge. It's an absolutely fantastic Record So this is a, a great prize. So again, first responders, we just came up with that. Tweet at Channing Wilson. Let them know you dug the interview, something you liked about it. Make sure you tag us to it at Chad Dukes. We'll pick someone at random and you will win a brand new copy of his album, Dead Man on Vinyl. Everybody else can get one at ChanningWilson.com or slide by Commonwealth Dry Goods. We just may have a copy or two laying around. Friendos, if you're in the area, make sure you visit Commonwealth Dry Goods in scenic Old Town Fairfax. They have the very best in local candles, peanuts, gifts, chocolates, olive oil, hot sauce, along with ice-cold cheer wine, and both types of music on vinyl. You can check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Commonwealth Dry Goods or order online today at CommonwealthDryGoods.com. Dukes show very excited right now. Joining us on the Monks Barbecue Hotline is well, one of my favorite artists recording music today. Uh, he has got an amazing album out, which we're actually going to give a copy away at the end of the interview. You can check it out and pick up a copy for yourself on vinyl at ChanningWilson.com. Mr. Channing Wilson joins us on the Chad Duke Show. Channing, great to finally catch up with you, brother. How are you? Hey, Chad. Doing good, man. I'm doing great. I'm down here in North Georgia in the mountains enjoying this beautiful day well that is uh that is where you hail from my friend and you can tell it is infused into your music and that's that's something i always like to ask authentic musicians such as yourself is how much of you know kind of how you cut your teeth how you cold your the, the fiber of who you are how important is that when you're trying to write songs about something that you know convey a message to people it seems like you know how you came up, for lack of a better cliche, is incredibly important if you're writing music like you do. 
Man, I always say uh, I sing like a talk, you know, and uh, I think more people could be uh, – it's easy to be authentic when you're literally just writing uh, stories that, that you know or things that you've done, and, and you're not coming – you know, you're not trying to talk anybody into this. You're just literally telling the story. You're like an old man sitting at a gas station telling the story you know you don't have to fake anything i the the record exactly. yeah the record is called dead man and you've been writing music and performing music a long time and i actually read a track by track breakdown of you know what you were going for what the songs are about and it was incredibly insightful but how long has this record been kind of bubbling up inside of you man i you know some of these songs i, I wrote uh 12 13 years ago and um i've, I've been writing I've been uh, performing music for over 20 years and different. I had a, a old rockabilly honky tonk band way back in the day, uh, and we traveled all around playing old school country and stuff. And and then I moved uh, to Nashville and started uh, trying to stink that town up a little bit. You know, <laughs> I, I I really had a bad taste in my mouth about Nashville when I first started going there. But uh, when I got there, I realized that you know there's a lot of people there really trying to do good things it just doesn't uh it doesn't get on the radio as much and yeah. uh nowadays it seems to be opening up a little bit but but when i got there it was really uh there was there was nowhere to go for a guy like me but i just kept on uh writing songs and these uh some of these songs are some of those early songs i, I wrote when i first got to nashville can you talk to me because i read your bio on your website it's it's very insightful and they, they talked about it seemed to me that you becoming a father kind of stoked a flame inside of you and instilled a sense of urgency like i have to make this happen and i've always said that people ask me about being in radio they're like well how did you how did you find success in radio i said well i didn't have a backup plan like i had to or i was going to be working at home depot the rest of my life nothing wrong with that but it's not what i wanted to do did, did, you know, knowing that you had become a father and taken that step, that next step really kind of motivate you to, I have to go to Nashville and I have to manifest this life for myself? Yeah, pretty much, man. I mean, you know, speaking of Home Depot, I was working at Lowe's <laughs> and uh, I came across uh, a friend of mine turned me on to Billy Joe Shaver and yeah. I went and seen him live and uh, quit my job a couple of weeks later to start trying to figure out how to play music, you know, because that's what, you know, I loved singing. I loved playing my guitar, and um, but I just I couldn't get on board with with uh, you know some of that late '90s country stuff. And even though nowadays it's looked at like it's gold, but uh, I liked the old stuff, man. I, and when I heard Billy Joe Shaver, that really changed a lot of uh, a lot of my life. But fast forward, you know, seven or eight years from that point, I had a I had my first, I had my son, and when that happened, man, I knew I had to start. Uh, taking the business of it more serious you know i knew that i'd written some decent songs and and i'd impressed some people along the way but uh if i was really gonna make a run at it and and not be a uh sports bar dude on the stool playing four-hour gigs the rest of my life i would have to uh to take it serious and move to where all the great the best songwriters in the world live and I, I wanted to. I'm glad to hear you say that about you know the the homage you pay towards you know country's roots. Y your voice sounds like it's from another time, and I mean that is the highest praise I possibly can because I do like the '90s stuff. But the but what I like the most is what you're talking about. And there's a song that Roger Allen Wade Roger Allen Wade wrote called uh, "The First Time I Saw Waylon," where he talks about basically the exact same experience that you had where it's like, I saw Bully Joe Shaver and I know my, this is what I'm going to do. I drop everything. And he talks about that when he saw Waylon Jennings. 
um, when you're recording these songs and writing the songs, how do you keep the influences of these titans that you're talking about? I know you're a big Guy Clark fan. How do you keep that? Do you keep it out of your music or do you allow it to kind of weave itself into your thoughts and what you're writing as well? I always found that to be something that I imagine would be difficult to not be over influenced by the guys you look up to. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I have no shame in that. Um, Roger Allen Wade is actually one of my dear friends and he's uh, one of my big inspirations too. He's a Chattanooga boy, which is kind of where I'm from. And I had that same uh, moment the first time I seen Roger play. Wow. And, um, and I, I was in a bar, and it was a, uh, it was the day, it was the night that uh, Dale Earnhardt died. So that was in 2001, and Roger was playing some kind of local thing, and I, I happened to be there, and it was the first time I ever seen him. When I and when he started singing, I, I knew that I had to get better. Hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, whoa, now there's the real deal. That guy's got a voice and a personality and then i started going to watch him and and uh you know and i mean I just you know as a young man i was uh, wanting to be that type of uh figure in music i mean you emulate those things until you find your own style and, um we you know music is constantly ripping itself off you know steve earl's uh, got a cool line about you know uh something uh, on the lines i'm paraphrasing here but it's something on the lines of uh you know, it's not ripping them off as long as you give them credit, you know. And so I've always done that, too. And, uh, and uh, but as far as the the inspiration bleeding over into your songs, man, I, I wear it on my sleeves. Mm. I, I, it doesn't bother me at all. I, every, everybody knows me knows I'm a huge uh, Willie Nelson fan, Guy Clark, uh, just those authentic songwriters, the people who really, uh, who when those when those cheesy cliche lines pop in their head and they do because they're human instead of uh putting them on paper they put them aside and they dig a little bit deeper and they try to find a cooler way to say it you know huh. and uh and i i learned from them i learned from them uh listening to their music when i was uh learning how to write songs and then uh sharing writing rooms with guy clark when i first got to nashville and, and getting to sit across from him and actually listen to him say something cheesy and then not write it down literally 20 minutes later him turn that thing into something amazing and uh and when you get to see that you realize the processes you know it's it's work it's like a you know it's like a whittling uh, it's like chainsaw carving you know it starts off as this big lump of wood but by the end of it you got a you got a really amazing wooden indian or something you know yeah, man, that Dublin blues is I, – I, I have songs I call funeral songs, which is like the one I want playing when I'm getting lowered in or whatever it is, and that's yeah. that's one of them. And that forgive me all my anger, forgive me all that, – that whole just string right there, it just – you know, it's a song about being drunk and breaking up, but it's just the way that he phrases everything in that thing. It, it gets me chills just talking about it. So I, I know exactly what you're speaking to, and I that must have been an unbelievable experience to be in the room to watch it happen. Oh, well, it was, yeah, it sure was. And it was intimidating at first. And uh, the coolest thing is he never made me feel like he was Guy Clark. You know, mm. I knew he was, but he was, uh, he was just teaching. You know, that's really what he was. He, he was wanting to write good songs with, with people he was co-writing with, but he, he knew he had a, a unique perspective on uh, words and, and thought and how to get them down and, and melodies too. You know, he was, he was a great melody guy and a great, um, uh, singer, I love the way he sings, you know, and um, 
and he was really just teaching, you know, and I was lucky enough to be there to, to uh, learn. It's a cool story. It's at Channing Wilson on Twitter and Instagram, ChanningWilson.com. Pick up Dead Man on vinyl right there and of course spotify and itunes all that good stuff but you support the artists by buying the hard copies so let's do that um you, you mentioned steve earl uh, I'm, I'm such a huge fan and he wrote a record called so you want to be an outlaw and um it's it's a it's a perfect country music record and I, I I don't I make it a habit Channing to not tell geniuses what they should do with their time so I would never tell Steve Earl hey you should make this type of music but I I almost feel like we got robbed of having like a legendary country music career if he would have kind of pivoted in that direction instead of I mean there's so many different influences he does so many different things and is compelled to you know incorporate so many different kinds of music but man when that guy tackles country he knows what he's doing oh yeah well he's just too smart for us man I mean. <laughs> He's just, he's too well read uh, to just play, you know, uh, simple music, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite records by him is Train of Coming. It's uh, it's more, yeah. it leans into the bluegrass world, but it's not really straight bluegrass. It's its own thing. And and I based a lot of my, um, a lot of my picking styles, because Norman Blake played on that record too. And, and, and I listened to that record over and over and, um, but yeah, when you know he can he can do so much different stuff. I love his rock and roll stuff, man. It's, I'm a huge fan, obviously, and um, but you know he's uh, he's just you know he's just too smart for uh, he has he has his own demons to fight and yeah. you know things he needs to say before he's out of this world. So uh, yeah, we're not lucky enough to, for him to just to stick to country music, which is fine <laughs> by me. Um, the the comparisons that you draw, you know them. Stapleton, Jamie Johnson. I, I mean, I assume most people know that Jamie Johnson wrote Honky Tonk, Tonk, Tonk. But these are guys yeah. that were writing hit songs, and then they decided, you know, I need this to come from me. And I, you're right there in the pocket. And I'm just curious, what these are your contemporaries? I mean, these are artists that I enjoy, but th these are basically coworkers for you when people make those comparisons is it flattering is it hey i, I want to be my own man like how, how do you digest it when, when people say those things about you yeah you know used to when i first got to town i got compared to uh jamie right off the bat and um and i i took it you know uh not necessarily bad but i just took it uh you know i i didn't want to be compared to anybody sure. i definitely felt uh, unique in my own way but, the, you know, people do that. They feel the need to go, oh, man, you look just like my friend from back home. Hey, you look <laughs> just like my cu my cousin, man. You remind me of my brother. And and so in the music world, people do the same thing. You know, like you sound just like so-and-so. And, and and they're trying to pay you a compliment, you know. And so I, I had to learn that, uh, that that's what it was. It wasn't that um, even though I, I did have a music executive tell me that um, – that I wouldn't work because of the whole Stapleton thing, you know? And I was like, you're telling me because I remind you of one of the best singer songwriters in the world that I'm not going to be successful. I'm like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know? And then what do you know? Like here comes, you know, five or six acts getting signed by major labels that, that are trying to sound just like him, even though they're not, they're not him. They're, that's the thing about Nashville. I don't like is they, they're chasing music instead of making music most of the time. And that that that's a tattoo right there. Um, yeah, working with Dave Cobb. I mean, you look at you look at the records this guy's put out. And it's just, I don't know. It's for a, for a fan, it's almost like a fictional character at this point. Um, I was just curious. I don't know how your experience was. The record's unbelievable, so I assume it was prosperous. But 
other than just talent and the ability to assemble a song, is there any way I always compare him to Phil Jackson where it's like, you know, everyone got has superstars, but you have to be able to work with superstars. Is there anything that you could talk about with his, that experience and how he is so adept at drawing the best out of the artists that he seems to work with? Well, I, I think the comparison to Phil Jackson's right, except you'd have to you'd have to throw, you know, a Scotty Pippen in there too, because he's he's also a player. Hmm. And he's he's also the musician too. He's not just the the director or the coach, you know, or the producer. He's uh he's in there helping you um find the you know, certain tweaking certain melodies to the songs. I mean, literally assisting you into making your songs better. Uh, he's just a, you know, he's a student of, of music and, and, you know, and he, he wears it on his sleeves. I mean, he, he comes in there and he's, he's, uh, quick to tell you he doesn't like something. And, um, and, you know, you gotta be able to take that and move on and not let it rock you. And, uh, and I mean, that's what I signed up for, you know, yeah. when I first heard, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, Brent Cobb is one of my good friends and, and Brent, yeah, man, and Brent played me some uh, records that he was producing um, out in L.A.'s. Um, uh, I think an artist named Lucette, she's a Canadian artist, he played me that record. And it just blew me away. And then uh, other stuff that he was doing, and it's just the tone, the sound, you know. And uh, and I was like, man, like that's what I came to Nashville for, except the guy lived in L.A. at the time. And so <laughs> when he got to Nashville um, – yeah, I pretty much just kept pushing until I got to know him and got to uh, work with him. That's true. It's very cool, and it's uh, it's nice to see. You know, when I when you see an artist start working with them, it's like, oh, they're going to be elevated after this. So I'm I'm glad that you had that experience, and, and the record speaks for itself. I, I let's talk a little bit about Dead Man before I don't want to keep you all day, but I, it's sure. it's one of those albums, man, where I have a different like my favorite track. I get into one song. Um, it's happened several times. It started with blues coming on. Um, running down a song currently is in heavy rotation for me. But drink that strong. I, I think this is such an insightful commentary on not only you know whatever it is substance abuse or what have you, but just I think you have to age and get older and realize. I look. I can either I keep getting messed up and I'm not feeling any better. So why do I keep getting messed up? Like, am I going to feel bad either way? Then why don't I just try to live a better life? And I, I had an epiphany like that a while back. Started exercising again, trying to be a little bit of a better, less of a piece of shit, basically. Not another way to put it. And that song, you just don't hear any songs, especially in country music, speak to that. So I just think you found something. Not only is it a great track that I love, but it also, it's a completely unique message, or at least one that you certainly don't hear a lot. And I, I, I really do appreciate you uh, having that perspective on it because that is definitely what I was going after. It doesn't get uh, it doesn't get said to me a lot just because you know it's it's one of those songs. I always say it's a song about quitting drinking that makes me want to have a whiskey. You know, <laughs> that's exactly right. And but the truth of it is, is that like you know, it's like how many bottles do I have to you know how many times do I have to get to the end of these bottles to realize the answer is not in them. You know. I might as well, if I'm just going to waste my time getting screwed up, I might as well be wasting my time doing something more productive. I might as well go fishing, you know? And, um, and that's kind of the, the thought behind it is, uh, we, I kind of, uh, I, I co-wrote that song with a, with a friend of mine, Houston Phillips, and he had the title. And when he said the title, I kind of knew what I wanted the song to be about. And I was, 
had a really, you know, old school Hank Jr. vibe in mind that day, you know, and and it just, um, I just, you know, I thought, man, how many drinking songs are out there, you know, just about glorifying, you know, getting drunk all the damn time. And what about the guy that's sitting at home that can't put it down but wants to, you know, where's his song? And I kind of thought about, thought about him too, because because I've been that guy too before, and I know I know plenty of dudes like that too. Yeah, but it, the, in the way that your your inflection, I don't know if that's the right term, but you're not preachy in the song. You know what I mean? Like you're not coming from a teetotaler type of perspective, dry drunk type of perspective. It's like this is the way it is, and here is a logical response. Like you're gonna feel bad either way, so why do the thing that's gonna tear yourself apart? at the same time and i i like i love the fact that it's not holier than some of these you know i used to drink and now i don't songs they almost come across it's preachy and that's not what that song is it's it's relatable and i, I think that's I pre- part of the difference. yeah well the, i think the reason is is because i never used to listen to preachers hmm. you know <laughs> and um i don't want to be preached at True. you know and um i learned from what i learned from other people's mistakes and from my own and uh, and one thing that I know is nobody likes being told what to do. I don't care who you are. So uh, why would someone want to pay whatever amount of money it is to listen to me try to tell them what to do? You know. Sure. And all all I can do is say this is what I should do, and then hopefully um, people relate to that. I always tell my artist friends that too. I was like, you know, you sometimes you're thinking too much about what the fans want to hear, and you know they're paying to see you. They want to relate to you, not necessarily hear a song that's exactly like their life sometimes you know yeah. and no, uh johnny cash and folsom prison blues is a great example you know nobody can uh uh i mean he he couldn't relate to that song really he wasn't in prison but uh he delivered it in a way to where and and so many people listen to uh to that song that never was in prison but they could understand it because they just you know people's brains are really descriptive and they can come up with their own versions of what these people look like these characters in your songs and you should let them build their own characters instead of telling them exactly what this person looks like or exactly how they talk or feel you know let them and and the more that they the more they develop their own character the more invested they're going to be in your in your uh, song you're singing for them at least that's that's about the only way i can put that it's it's exactly correct. I, I, I've kept you too long. Let me ask you one more, and then no, I'll, fine, I'll let you yeah. go, brother. I really appreciate it. Channing, not, no, I love talking, man. Oh, good. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. ChanningWilson.com is the website. Pick up the record today. And, of course, at Channing Wilson on Twitter and IG. Um, how is someone – you're a country music fan. I'm a country music fan. I get asked this question all the time. Is they say, well, how do you – the sad songs. You know, sad songs and waltzes aren't selling – how, how, why do you enjoy that? And sometimes it's difficult for me to put into words why the pain uh, in, in in a sad country music song is still enjoyable. Like it doesn't necessarily, I don't get all bummed out and have to, you know, go outside and sit in the sun for a while. It's someone that, you know, lives and breathes this stuff. What What is the best way to answer that question to a novice? Well, I mean, sad songs are always going to sell uh, because, I mean, people are sad, you know, uh, any given time people are having a rough, a rough go at it, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> I always say, you know, you think about this, like, um, when, you know, how many people go to bars to be around other people like them, you know, <laughs> or, um, how many times did, uh, like if you were, a, say, you know, you had some, uh, I used to 
equate it to like some drug buddies back in the day when you used to hang out and get high with them all the time. But the minute that you stop doing it, the minute they stop calling, you know, yeah. and it's like, you're not like them anymore. You know, they want to hang out with people that are like them and just, you know, and so given, <clears throat> given the, the perspectives, you know, like, like a lot of life is sad, you know, and it's okay to talk about it. And it's, and it makes you feel better knowing that, that somebody out there feels the same way you do, you know, it's like that, that helps you get through, helps you get through the struggles of realiz the realization that how sad things are sometimes. Um, and at the same time, they're equally just as happy and they're just as rowdy and they're just as fun and sexy and all these things that, <clears throat> that we feel on a daily basis, but we shouldn't ignore sadness just because we don't want to talk about it you know and that's the thing that country music to me always was the uh outlet for that you know whereas pop music never was that rock music you couldn't really even understand some of the stuff you know because uh you know it was just you were just rocking to it but country music's where you went man when you when your heart got broke you know when she when she cheated on you or, or something like that or he cheated on you you know you you put down that, uh, you know, you put down that <clears throat> new kids on the block record and you put on a, you know, a Merle Haggard record or yeah. something like that. And, and, and you found, uh, you know, you found how ways to get through it. You know, people tell me all the time, they're like, man, that song right there got me through this. That song got me through that. And, and you never hear that on the, you know, on the uptempo kind of just, uh, fun time songs. You never hear, oh man, I'll, you know, that song got me through a field party or that song got me through a night at the club one time, you know, you're, it's always, man, that song got me through a heartbreak or when I came back from, from, uh, Afghanistan, that song saved my life. Yeah. I've heard stuff like that, you know, and, and it's, yeah, and it's the sad songs that do it every time. And it's, you know, and if nobody else is writing them, you know, somebody <laughs> got it. I, I have a litmus test for friends where I play the Grand Tour by George Jones, and if they get it, it's like, all right, we can, we're going to be okay. And yeah, if, that's if, a great one. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if I have to explain it to them, it's like, uh, maybe we just better yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. Um, one last hat question, just because I'm, sure. I'm going to go, I've never been to Floors, and I'm going to go check that place out and look and back. Like, I, what is your favorite place to play country music venue in the contiguous United States? Is there one that jumps out in your mind at you? Man, I, I have I have favorite ones for different reasons. Kind of like asking me my favorite song, you sure. know. When you said Lukenbach, it just made <clears throat> it made me go there because uh, one of my dear friends is Django Walker, who is mm. Jerry Jeff Walker's son, and he invited me out to uh, to the Jerry Jeff statue uh, unveiling. Yeah. Uh, it was a who's who man of like really good Texas and uh, Americana singer songwriters, and I was really fortunate. To be able to get up and uh, I performed. I did uh, Guy Clark's Desperado's Waiting on Train. Oh, that's awesome, with, man. With Django and uh, William Beckman and Jamie Lynn Wilson. It was really, really cool, man. Is there a and, copy uh, of that? Like, can anyone, can you hear that somewhere? I think there's a video somebody took on Facebook. I don't, I don't know, man. Okay. But, uh, you know, like Steve Earl was there, uh, all kinds of people. But that was my first time at Lukenbach. And uh, what a place, man. Uh, that place just has a vibe. And I can see why uh, so many artists and just creative folks flock there. Um, I'm that I'm that way with Key West in a way, man. I love Key West. Uh, you know, I'm a boy from the mountains, but 
Key West just has a lawlessness about it that just attracts me, you know. Um, yeah, I have different, you know, different venues uh, for different places, but uh, you know, there's listening rooms. One of my favorites is Eddie's Attic in uh, in Atlanta for just playing songs and people listening to them. It's just an amazing place to just sit and try material out and be vulnerable and see what people think about it, you know. It's funny you said Key, Key West. My, my friend, if you've got to check him out, his name is the Reverend Peyton, Reverend Peyton's big damn band, and he's one of the right. unbelievable slide guitarists. I can't even explain to you what the guy can do. But I he, think I've seen him on YouTube. Have before, you? Uh, yeah, he's got a God, lot of – Is he kind of a big guy? Big guy, and he had a guitar yeah. that was also a shotgun that went viral during COVID, the, the millions yeah. of views. So, But he speaks yeah. about Key West. Him and his wife are the, the main players in the band, and they go down for a whole month and play shows in Key West because of the energy and kind of what you're talking about. So maybe that's something that a, a lot of musicians experience while they're down there. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's healing. It's uh, like I said, it's that vibe where you feel like you're not be, you don't have to do a certain thing. People just let you do, be you, you know, and it's like that in Luke and Bach. It's like that in, in listening rooms and places like that, you know, and then there's the, there's the just uh, people show up and they pay their 20 bucks for a ticket and they just want to, you know, they want to go somewhere for a couple of hours and, and those kind of places where you got the band and just having a good time. You know, Billy Bob's is a great example. Yeah. I love that place. Um, I'm sure some of those Texas artists get tired of playing there, but man, I would love to have a Billy Bob's uh, 50 miles from my house. Man, I'd be there every weekend. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that know? is exactly the way I feel about those Texas oh, venues. Man. I'm like, we got nothing I'd be like there that. Ever, or Grin Hall or any of those places, man. I, I love it out in Texas. I ain't going to lie. I really do. If I was going to move anywhere else, it would be Key West or Texas for sure. Are you cool with Blackberry Smoke? Oh, I love them, man. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. You, they're fantastic. And a tour with the, you guys would be just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I've done a bunch of shows with them. And me and Charlie's uh, tried to write a couple songs before. We, we've got we got a couple to work on. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm huge fans of those guys. How do we man. make they're that just... happen? Let's let's make that happen ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I am trying. I interviewed Charlie about – competition out there this, these days, Chad. Yeah, there certainly is. Those guys are at the top <laughs> of their game too. I interviewed I interviewed him about 15 years ago uh, and when the Freedom Song came out, and he said – we were talking about uh, American Idol or something, and he said, well, you, you like to tell me that you love Hank Jr., but here's a guitar, play one of his songs. And I, that always yeah, kind of exactly. stuck with me, his analysis of that. Yeah. Well, you know, they're uh, – and, and not to mention, man – you know, when you do this so much and you travel so much and you see people on the road, they're just one of the most genuinely nice groups of uh, individuals to come across, man. Every time you see them, they're just, they love on you and, and uh, they, they thank you for being there and, and they give you props from the stage. And you know what I mean? They're just, they're just good old boys, man. And, and you just, you can't, you can't get have too many of them running around nowadays for sure. It's really well said. Uh, it's been great talking to you, man. I know you got maybe you have some plans to come through here in the near future when that gets all settled. Love to have you back on and get some listeners out to the shows. But the main way to support, I assume, is for people to buy uh, buy the vinyl right now. I would assume. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm. Uh, I don't think the show's been announced yet, but I'm coming up uh, through like Virginia Beach in June. So uh, uh, I'll I'll let you know. I'll text you and let you know when they're going to be and. Yeah, man. I mean, the best way to support me right now is that, you know, I got a lot of shows coming up in June. You know, I've been down on my, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I had a, a foot surgery where I'd broken my foot. And so I had to cancel all these shows in May that I was supposed to be playing. So I'm, that's why you can hear the birds chirping right now is because I'm down here in Georgia just uh, with my foot up. 
trying to heal up. Well, you, you did what all dudes do is you try to tough it out through some sort of injury or illness, and then it gets oh, worse. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's what we all do. <laughs> yeah, sure do. Well, I'm glad you're recovering from that. I can't wait to see you out on the road. It is ChanningWilson.com. Uh, pick up the record and, of course, Instagram iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Just search Channing Wilson. Uh, sir, I'm a humongous fan. A tr- By the way, tremendous interview. You should do a podcast or write a book or something, too. You have a way with the words outside of just writing songs. Thank, Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you, Chad. The great Channing Wilson, everybody, on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. It is the Chad Duke Show. The Virginia Pizza Crusade is on a mission to find the best slices in the Commonwealth. To keep up with the reviews, be sure to follow the Virginia Pizza Crusade on Instagram, at Virginia Pizza Crusade. 